Got a lot of stuff to dive into today. A lot of football talk coming your way here on second down. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshry will be joined by the legendary, but you know, the crazy schedule having PJ Zuko coming up here in a little while. We have a lot of coaching news to get to, a lot of awards being announced that I want to dive into as well. But again, Cam, you've had a couple days now. <laughs> Can you, you've been you've been in a mood, I guess is the best way to put it. Are you feeling any better? No. <laughs> a, a few days removed? No. Not on, really man. at all. Nah. Not really at all. I mean, you just got to move on to the next. I will say that. You, you can't dwell in the past. But, I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm more so looking forward, just trying to fast forward life to December 31st, see how, you know, Georgia responds playing Michigan and then. Hopefully, I I hope we actually get that rematch. I wouldn't like Cincinnati to beat Bama. I would like Bama to beat Cincinnati. And it's just I want to get the monkey off the back. I've All been right, saying well, that. Well, we're obviously going to preview that game coming up some more throughout the week and then leading up to the Orange Bowl. But uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to be joined by Jonathan Hopp from WTVM. He's the sports director out there in Columbus, Georgia. Benedictine is headed to the state championship. They will take on Carver Columbus there. Quick trivia for you, Cam. Can you name, name some notable alumni from Carver Columbus? No. How about uh, Jarvis Jones and Isaiah Crowell? Two okay. former Tigers there out in Columbus. So we'll catch up with Jonathan Hopp coming up here in a little bit. But as I mentioned, Cam, you had some awards being announced, the All-SEC stuff, Coaches of the Year. USA Today put out Kirby Smart, Coach of the Year in the SEC. He's been named that by a couple of different organizations as well. I don't think you can – or you, you can argue it, but I don't think you can say that's wrong, right? I mean, no. you go undefeated, 8-0 in SEC play, obviously losing the SEC championship, but the, the job that they did with the injuries they had at the beginning of the year and then having a historic defense throughout the season, I think it's hard to bash anybody who names Kirby Smart Coach of the Year. I'm just curious, is that a Coach of the Year award that's kind of cumulative, right, where it's like you finally saw – the result of the recruiting specifically on the defensive side of the ball, or is that just for 2021? Because I think I could argue that Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer and what those guys did is almost as impressive as what anybody did in the entire country. I would say it's for 2021. I wouldn't say that because he, he's been putting in recruiting classes since he's been there since probably after well, his first and I'll year. say this, and Kirby Smart actually said this, recruiting is probably the biggest part of being a college football coach. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about coach of the year, you may be just saying like uh, recruiting coordinator of the year slash coach of the year because Kirby Smart's best job that he does at Georgia is getting those guys on campus. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think it's the coach of the year is well-deserved because he's missed a lot of – I don't think people understand how many players Georgia's missed this year. I mean, I could just give you two All-Americans, Tyke Smith and – um. George Pickens, they yep. missed a part of this. Eric Gilbert, he he missed the entire year. Somebody who could have been a big factor to Georgia. They've missed a lot of players and yet still go twelve and zero in the regular season. You you know you drop one against Bama, but I mean just to just sub out and sub back in and you don't miss a beat. It's kind of hard not to name them coach of the year. Like Tennessee, Josh Heupel, and you have Shane Beamer at South Carolina. They did their thing, and I love what Lane Kiffin did this year going from 4-6 uh, to That's the other one two. I was going to say, too, is with yeah. Lane Kiffin. Uh, it was unbelievable to me. That's the first 10-win regular season in Ole Miss history. Dang. History. Yeah, that's I was like, crazy. Chad Kelly didn't do that? 
Yeah, Bo. Bo, Bo Wallace, Wallace didn't do that. I thought they. I think they finished like nine and three. It was their best finishes, and then went to a bowl game and maybe got the tenth win in hmm. the bowl game. But in the regular season, they hadn't done it before. And so for Lane Kiffin to come in and do that, and you're talking about a team dealing with injuries, they were decimated with injuries. And their only two losses were Alabama, Alabama and Auburn. And Auburn. Auburn. The Auburn one seems weird now. Yeah, but it, it's I still don't think it's a bad loss. No, because Auburn had, was competitive in my opinion. All year long. They dropped some bad games, but they were competitive. I mean, Bama, they was competitive in a lot of games. So, I, I Lane Kiffin would have been my coach of the year. I just think going from 4-6 and six to 10-2, and two, and you was – I mean, like you said, we were, they, he was 4-6 and six in ACC play last year and beat a really good Indiana team from the Big Ten last year. That was the second-best team in the Big Ten, and he handled them in that bowl game. I mean, Lane Kiffin, he's, done a, he's just done a great job. I can't lie to you. Love Lane Kiffin and the way he coaches, you know, definitely offense. He just – he doesn't care. He's a go-getter. He's kind of like a gambler on the offense, kind of like nah, – I'm not going to compare him to Sean Payton, but the Sean Payton of college football, I'll put it like that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, a- remember against Bama, he was going for fourth and twos, mm-hmm. and that's Sean Payton-esque. Is he Sean Payton? Absolutely yeah. not. But that's the mindset he gives. No, he was also uh, named AP Coach of the Year as well today. <laughs> that coming down. So Kirby Smart, AP Coach of the Year. So that's for everything. But I, yeah, I think it's interesting because it's just how do you define it? Because I think Georgia was kind of expected. Yeah. And so, and I know, but it's like when meeting expectations at this high of a level is obviously hard. And a mm-hmm. lot of teams don't do that. So, so Georgia playing in the college football playoff, undefeated in the regular season, and like we said, a historically good defense. I completely understand why Kirby Smart did it. I just think you can look at some of the other folks and say, who did a better coaching job this year? What's more impressive to you? Georgia going 12-0 and in the regular season, when we kind of look back on that schedule and say, yeah, they didn't really beat any dynamic offenses probably throughout the entire year, but the teams they beat, they beat the hell out of them and beat mm-hmm. them by historic margins. Or Shane Beamer. What he did at South Carolina. I mean, if you said South Carolina was going to win six games before the season started, even yeah. after they won a game when they beat who Eastern Carolina at Eastern Carolina, yeah. and it went to like it was like last second field goal, you're like, ooh, this is going to be a long year. Same thing with Tennessee. They had a mass exodus of players before the season. Now did they go out and bring a bunch of players in? Absolutely. They brought in Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton, both guys playing quarterback for other teams last year in other Power Five conferences, but. I still think the job that those guys did, even if Kirby Smart gets coach of the year, which he has from a lot of publications, I think you need to recognize those guys for what they were. Maybe maybe, maybe uh, triage job of the year because it was rough at both of those programs. Yeah, you know nationally they're not going to give those guys publicity going 7-5 and five and 6-6, mm-hmm. and six, but for the people that look at it in a different eyes view, we'll be like, okay, yeah, that was – it's imp- I mean, like I said, South Carolina, they might be 76. They play North Carolina in a bowl game. Yep. And Tennessee, I don't know who Tennessee plays. You probably, you may know, um, but they could go 8-5. and five. That's a successful season for both programs. And Tennessee is going to be one of those programs that's definitely dangerous and kind of scary these next couple years. They're playing Purdue in the Music City Bowl on the 30th. And that's definitely winnable for Tennessee. That's I think, a home game for them. Yeah, yeah. I think Tennessee will win that. And South Carolina against North Carolina, you never know what might happen. That's an awesome game. Yeah, and is Sam Howell going to play in that game? Who knows? But, Cam, uh, another thing we need to dive into here, ESPN has put out their All-American team, and I want to go back and get my – because they announced All-SEC as well. We'll dive into that. I want to go get my – what I wrote down as the preseason All-SEC team when I was at Media Days. 
I think you'd be surprised how close your boy <clears throat> got it on that one. But let's let's dive into it here on ESPN's All American team. Any care to guess who the quarterback was? Uh, yeah, Bryce. Yeah, Bryce yeah, Young is yeah. the quarterback there. Running back Kenneth Walker uh, from Michigan State, who had an unbelievable year: sixteen hundred and thirty-six yards, eighteen rushing touchdowns, and kind of carried a defense that's bad. Yeah, bad, bad, bad. a bad defense. So <laughs> bad Kenneth defense. Walker there. Also, how about the freshman Sean Tucker from Syracuse up there as an All-American? Uh, he had fourteen hundred and ninety-six yards as a true freshman. He's gonna be an NFL player one day. I mean, yeah, yeah, true freshman doing that. That's impressive. I, 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 I haven't heard anything about him because we know Syracuse is for basketball, not necessarily hey, they have football. A good, Coach Babers gets a good football team out of them every now and then. Uh, like I said, you know, I know for basketball, All right. but I mean that's that's impressive, man. Wow. Uh, then moving on to the wide receivers, you have Jordan Addison from Pitt, who really helped Kenny Pickett uh, in his campaign, who could potentially be the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, it's going to be Bryce Young, but yeah. Kenny Pickett will be in New York. Uh, and then David Bell from Purdue. What's up with Purdue and just producing awesome wide receivers? I mean, the Boilermaker has been known for the Drew Brees mm-hmm. production right there, but. Last few years with some of the wide receivers they've put out, that's really cool to see that. Yeah. Any any guesses on who ESPN's All American tight end is? Oh yeah, Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers. Yeah, yeah he not deserves even, it. Not yeah. even a Mackey Award finalist. That doesn't make any sense, but right? Hey. But he is ESPN's All because he's a freshman American tight mm-hmm. end, and the dude. I don't want to say had better numbers because it's not fair. He's played in thirteen games, and Kyle Pitts played in eight, but he does have more catches, more yards and one less touchdown than Kyle Pitts had last year as a junior. And he's a true freshman. Yeah, a, a true freshman and kind of not a pass-happy offense, though. I don't know, they threw it 48 times in the SEC championship yeah. game. I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a pass. I wouldn't say it's a pass-happy offense at all. I really wouldn't, but yeah. he, he's impressive. He, Like I said, it's George Kittle and Travis Kelsey had a baby. Brock yeah. Bauer. 47 receptions, 791 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That's the most by a Georgia tight end ever and ties Terrence Edward for the most single season touchdown receptions in Georgia history. So an unbelievable season for Brock Bowers. I thought the offensive line was really interesting because it's a bunch of future NFL guys. Evan Neal is a tackle. Zion Johnson from Boston College uh, is a guy to watch out for. He's rated as the number two guard uh, in the draft by Mel Kuyper. Tyler Lindenbaum, or Linderbaum excuse me, is the center for Iowa. He's Todd McShay's number 17 prospect, period, overall. Obviously, the number one center. He Maybe he's a guy the Falcons need to be looking out for in the draft. If it's you're not going to draft a quarterback, go ahead and get him. <laughs> Aiden uh, Hutchinson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Aiden Hutchinson is still going to be there when the Falcons pick. Uh, <laughs> we're we going to talk about the Falcons here in a little bit. Uh, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M is unbelievable. He's Kuyper's number one guard prospect. Uh, and then Charles Cross from Mississippi State. He's a guy I would love for the Falcons to draft. He's the number two offensive tackle, and the dude is just mean. All-purpose goes to Jamison Williams. He led the SEC in receptions, and he's going to be so much fun yeah. to watch the NFL. I forget who tweeted it out, but Jalen Waddle 2.0. Like, that kind of speed. Yeah, I he's did a not little know bit the taller. kid was that fast. He's yeah, a little he's bit taller. taller. Yeah, he's, he's a little taller. bit taller. Yeah, I didn't know he was that fast to the SEC championship. Uh, defensively is really cool because you go through it and the first or two of the first three names you see have have suited up for Georgia before. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously Michigan, but then you go to Jordan Davis, who had an unbelievable season. A lot of people thought he should be in the Heisman Trophy race. Then Jermaine Johnson. 
we haven't talked about him enough on this show. Transfers from Georgia after last year, and I, what I thought was interesting was didn't try to make any – and you saw a lot of this go away with just the, the one-time free transfer is didn't try to throw any jabs at Georgia, uh, didn't try to say, hey, they were using me wrong, yada, yada, yada. He just said, I want to go somewhere I can get tape. Florida State doesn't have anybody like me, so I'm mm-hmm. literally going to play every down, whereas I'm going to be in a rotation uh, with three or four other guys at Georgia. I'm going to go to Florida State. I'm going to play every down, and it worked out for him. He, 17 and a half tackles for loss, 11.5 sacks, two forced fumbles, and a defensive touchdown. And he created 41 defensive pressures and forced 12 incompletions on the season. So we kind of crap on a lot of the transfers that don't work out. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see one work out. Yeah, I respect the man that bets on himself. Kenneth oh, yeah. Walker and Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, I mean, it, it worked out for him. Will Anderson, obviously, up there as a linebacker. N'Kobe Dean makes it as well. Devin Lloyd from Utah. If you haven't watched this dude, he will smack you in the mouth. And you're like, you're talking about the player on the field. No, he'll smack him on the mouth, and he'll smack you in the mouth for not watching him because he is unbelievable. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez from Oklahoma State. Uh, you see what Oklahoma, or what Oklahoma State just lost? No. Ohio State went and swooped their defensive coordinator out from Oklahoma State, so he is now going to be a Buckeye. Uh, in the secondary, Ahmad Gardner uh, from Cincinnati, sauce. Sauce. And he's about to have a chance to make a lot of money coming up when he takes on Alabama because if he can lock down Jamison Williams, he's going to make some cheese. And that's those, those are going to be the guys who are going next to each other because no – John Mechie for Alabama in the semifinals. Uh, Roger McCurry is a guy who has already made himself a lot of money from his performance against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. He has made the All-American list. Verone McKinley from Oregon makes it as well as Jalen Petrie from uh, Baylor. Those are your two safeties. Then, of course, the punt god, Matt Areza out of San Diego State. So that's ESPN's All-American team right there. A few Georgia players make the list. I think the most impressive out of that, Brock Bowers, true freshman, All-American as a tight end. It's crazy. I, I told you I like that kid in, in the SEC championship. He was even more impressive. So love Brock Bowers. I love what I love what he brought to the team this year, but he did, he's obviously a Mac not a Mackey Award finalist because he's a freshman. He, yeah. They think he's gonna win in the next year or two. So Yeah, they, they just, I, I just don't think somebody was paying attention there. That's just a mess up there, but it, it is what it is. Jordan Davis got left off a couple of defensive linemen lists, which I thought was unbelievable as well. But it is what it is. We got more to come here on ESPN radio. We're gonna catch up with Jonathan Hop. Uh Covers Carver Columbus out there in beautiful Columbus, Georgia. Produced some really good football players. We'll catch up with him next right here on ESPN Radio. Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshery here. Glad to have you all hanging out with us on this Wednesday afternoon. BC and Carver Columbus will be taking the field this Friday up at Center Park Stadium in Atlanta playing for a state championship. This is BC's first appearance since 2016 in Atlanta. They're 2A back then and 4A now for Carver. This is their first appearance uh, since Del McGee was their head coach back in 2007. To break it down from the Carver-Columbus perspective from WTVM in Columbus, sports director Jonathan Hoppy joining us here. Jonathan, thanks for taking the time, man. Hey, guys, great to be with you. Really excited about this game. Herb Benedictine's got a pretty good team, so a little nervous if you're a Carver fan, but uh, I think it should be a really good one. 
Yeah, man, it's two teams that uh, have a, a history of winning and a history of producing really good talent. I know some big-time dudes across that line uh, for Carver. What can you tell us about the players that these Savannah fans should be watching out for? Well, they've got a lot of talent, and it is going to jump out at the page at you. Elijah Pritchett, Alabama, he's going there as an offensive lineman. He's been uh, really impressive with what he's been able to do, and you're going to see D.J. Riles at quarterback and Jaden Cradle. They call him Flip at running back. That's one of the best tandems in the state in terms of running the football. That's what they do. They run the football. They don't have the most prolific passing game. Uh, you can see it some when they need to, but they like to run the ball, and rightfully so. Their quarterback is an elite runner. He's got offers from some pretty good programs, and that's something that they want to exploit with getting him going and then you've got Jaden Cradle he can he looks like Marshawn Lynch out there <laughs> as a high school kid I mean he is so physical but yet so fast and I think that's what you really need to watch it's an explosive offense and that's what makes it so fun in the last game they had fourth down and they still ran the ball at midfield and they uh, ran off a 50-yard touchdown to uh, go ahead and ultimately win the game with the two-point conversion so it's it's a running attack for Carver, and uh, they come at you from both angles. What has this season been like for Carver in terms of expectations? So I know once you get to the playoffs, it's anybody's ball game, right? You have to go on. It's it's a five game season for you. Uh, but under Corey Joyner uh, out there in Columbus, what were the expectations at the start of the year? Because obviously you have a couple of guys, uh, as you mentioned, uh, commit to Alabama on the offensive line. You have a junior out there on the offensive line as well who's got plenty of offers. So. Were the expectations this high to start the season? Expectations were sky high. I was at the quarterfinal loss last year on the road at Jefferson. A close-fought game, but ultimately they came up short. And you got the feeling that they had everyone back this year. That's what Corey Joyner said after the game in Jefferson. He said, hey, we've got guys coming back. We're losing only a couple, and we have an experienced group next year. And we hope to do big things. So we've had high expectations. You know, they went down against Lee County and uh, put on a really good show in the first week. They almost won that game, uh, just a power in 6A. And then go down the list of their week-to-week competition isn't the greatest in this region. They just completely dominate the region with some of these local teams. Uh, but they've had a couple of other big-time uh, games against some out-of-area teams, and they've played well. And then in the playoffs, you know, they got a little bit lucky because they've been home the entire time. So, you know, the coin flip worked in their favor, which doesn't always happen. Uh, but the expectation, I think, from the start of this season was that they would be here and they would be in this game, in this championship in Atlanta. And I think the expectation is to win it. You've got a veteran group. They're losing a lot of guys next year. These guys have played with each other since Little League. They've played with each other since middle school. They're one of the close knit team, most close knit teams I've seen in my time here, and uh, they should be rocking and ready to go Friday. Jonathan Hoppy joining us here on ESPN Radio. He's the sports director at WTVM in Columbus. What what's the feeling around BC? What's the perspective uh, from out in Columbus? You know, I haven't heard a ton. Haven't totally dived into it, but. I do understand from certain conversations I've had and the limited tape I've seen on them, just looking at some highlights, is that you know it's going to be a really hard-fought game. And the quarterback that's supposed to be going to Georgia, uh, you know, that's going to be a problem for Carver to try to slow down. So it should be 
strength versus strength. And I think whoever can stop these offenses, that's going to be the team that's going to come out on top because there is, you know, you might not have the sexiness of a Georgia player on this Carver team. Dude, you got an Alabama player on the line of scrimmage now. Come on. Well, I'm talking, you know, when you're talking about the skilled guys, DJ Riles and Jaden Cradle aren't going to get a ton of respect. Uh, but you watch. When they get out there, they're going to show you what they can do. And I think ultimately that's that's what it's going to be, is, is which one of these guys is going to show up. And Carver wants it really bad. But, you know, I'm sure BC does too. And that, that's what makes these games so great. Well, John, I can tell you the uh, the quarterback that you referenced there, Holden Gearner, he uh, actually headed to Auburn. So you're going to be real familiar with him soon. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, the coach said Georgia. So, yeah, we will be uh, very familiar with them. What year is he a senior this year? Yeah, he's a he's a four star, and actually, uh, Coach Harson just in town visiting him, making sure he's still committed. Yeah, well, that's uh, ever so important when you uh, fire your offense. <laughs> that's that is absolutely correct. But again, just really excited uh, for this game up in Atlanta, man. Just just looking at it from the Carver perspective, I know uh, a lot of times in high school, this can kind of galvanize a community. What's the community support been like in Columbus? Uh, Carver is one of the most historic schools in this city. There's a great fan base. They turn out at all the home games, and they, they really love the school. But, you know, I was talking to Joyner yesterday, Coach Joyner, and it just felt like you could sense, even in his voice, that and based on what he said, that this is really a city thing. You know, in, in our area here, we've got Columbus, we've got Auburn. We, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting area because we're right on the Georgia-Alabama line. Um, so we cover a lot of schools, a lot of schools outside of Columbus, um, but they are the powerhouse here in this city. So a win for them would be awesome uh, just to bring this city another championship. And, and I think that's kind of what makes this so unique is, yeah, everyone likes all the schools in our area, but a lot of people in Columbus feel specifically attached to Carver just because year in and year out it, it is kind of the best chance to, to win. Sure. Two South Georgia schools going head-to-head in Atlanta on Friday at 3.30. You can listen to the game right here on Friday on ESPN Radio Savannah. Jonathan Hoppy, kind enough to take some time, sports director at WTVM in Columbus. Jonathan, we really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll see you guys up there. Good luck. Again, Cam, he mentioned it there. He's like, I, I like how he downplayed it, Cam, was, hey – we don't, we don't inherently have all these big-time guys out here. You have an offensive lineman going to Alabama. It's called remaining and humble. There's, and there's a, they got a junior tackle as well who has offers from Alabama, Georgia, all the other Power 5 schools. So you, got, you can't downplay the talent when you got a lineman going to Alabama. I mean, you can't, but I think he's remaining humble and saying, you know, Benedict has a really good team. It's going to be fascinating. I think – I, I haven't really seen an offense that's able to – I've seen amazingly impressive offenses, especially since I've been down in South Georgia. But the thing that's unique about BC, I think, is the fact that they're able to get in and out of so many different offenses, and not just in one game, right? It's not just, okay, that last drive they did this, so let's switch to this. It's you will see them on one drive go from four wide to I formation to five wide to flex bone to a bunch formation out of the shotgun – all on one drive, and they don't slow down. Like it's it's incredibly impressive. And Justin Thomas is going to play baseball at Georgia. Mm-hmm. He would have all kinds of Power Five offers if the coaches didn't know that he was committed to playing baseball. So it, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm kind of upset I have not been able to see them one time this year. Um, but I know just off of what you're saying, 
Coach Britt, he knows how to coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, they was in the Final Four last year, and now you're in the mm-hmm. state championship. That is really hard to do. You know as a football player in any sport, I think just making it that far in the playoffs is hard to do. So, you know, you know who I have winning. You do. So. Oh, yeah. So, again, on ESPN at Radio Savannah, you'll be able to listen to that one coming up at 3 o'clock while we'll the pregame show. And at 3.30 uh, in Savannah, you'll be able to listen to the broadcast for folks uh, in Waycross and in Brunswick, St. Simons, down the coastal area, the Golden Isles. Uh, three and out will be on from three o'clock. But uh, you can watch all of the games on GPB.com. John Nelson and our friends at GPB Sports uh, will be broadcasting all of the games live. So if you want to watch them on your computer or on the TV, just go to Georgia Public Broadcasting and you'll be able to watch the state championships. That's one of my favorite traditions in sports in general is the the feature at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year uh, that these players get to go through from GPB. So it's just it's a uh, Channel 8, I believe, was when, mm-hmm. when you were just doing through the old dial. But now just look up GPB wherever you get your cable from, or you can watch it online at gpbsports.com. we got more to come here on second down. We're going to dive back into some college football. We're going to talk a little bit about the Falcons as well. PJ Zuko is going to hop on with us. So much more to dive into. We'll be right back on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Mercery here. <sighs> Cam, I'm going to do something that I don't usually do because it hurts my soul to do it, but here we are. we got to at least talk about this at some point. The Atlanta Falcons. Yep. Painful. I know you are a tortured Atlanta Falcons fan, much like I am. They're not great. It's, it's better than it was last season because it looks like they at least have a pulse this year and they're willing to go out there and fight. For the most part, they seem overmatched, i.e. against Tampa Bay. Did it look like they got outcoached in that game or outschemed or just like they didn't look like an NFL team? No. It just looked like, you know, Tampa Bay had better players, which, you know, they do. That's going to take a while to fix, but it is what it is. Right now, the Falcons have one of, what, the 30th, 31st, 32nd best roster in the NFL. Maybe the Lions have a worse roster. Maybe. I'll that's hard. They have a really good O-line in Detroit yeah. as well, so yeah. that's really hard. So maybe, yeah. maybe. Falcons have one of the worst rosters in the NFL, but they're 5-7 and seven on the season. This schedule's tough, I guess is the best way to put it the rest of the way. The Falcons will finish out the season. They're at Carolina this week, who just fired their offensive coordinator, so maybe you got a shot. <laughs> they're at San Francisco, so two straight road games. They come back home. They have the Lions. Like you just said, the Lions got their first taste of winning. They beat, of course, it was the Vikings that they beat. But (laughs) the Falcons should be favored in that one. After that, you're at Buffalo, which I know Buffalo is kind of struggling right now. But I think NFL teams just go through this in the season. It's a really long season. You're going to go through some struggles. Buffalo is really good. Probably a Super Bowl favorite from the AFC. And then you are home against the Saints problem with that cam is you already got your one win against the saints this year you usually split that so the saints <laughs> yeah. will probably win that one right so looking at this how many more wins do you see for the atlanta falcons this year? i, I said at the beginning of the season i see the falcons going eight or nine nine and eight at best so i can see you being carolina um i can see them being detroit that would give you seven wins and i think there's a win between the saints or the 49ers i really do believe that i don't think buffalo you have a chance because you have to go in the cold weather and I think that's just a really bad matchup for the Falcons. Diggs and Josh Allen and that Buffalo defense is real in the cold. I think that's just a bad matchup. So I think right now the Atlanta Falcons have the number eight pick 
in the NFL draft. Yes, yes. As of do. as of right now, ahead of them are teams like Detroit, like Jacksonville, teams that already have they think their franchise quarterbacks. I don't know. Detroit might be in the market. I think they like Jared Goff though. I don't think they're going to get and yeah, yeah. and I, obviously Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. They have their guy. They're not drafting another quarterback unless they just they say. Trevor Lawrence is Josh Rosen, and they're the Cardinals, and they're going to draft another quarterback the next year in the first round. I don't see that happening in Jacksonville. But that being said, after that, it's the Houston Texans. They need a quarterback. They're going after a quarterback. The New York Jets are also up there. They have their quarterback, they think. I actually think the Jets have – yeah, the Jets have two consecutive picks in the first round right now. Oh, yeah, from the um, Seahawks trade. Jamal Adams, the Seahawks yeah. are just bad. The Jamal Adams He's trade. out for the season right. now. Yep. And then uh, the New York Giants, are they – comfortable with daniel jones yes i think i think so, so yeah they're there and then they actually have two consecutive first round picks right now because they have one from the justin fields trade last year wow yep so they are the number five and number six or excuse me the number six and number seven Wow. and so if you're looking at this there's what one maybe two teams in front of the atlanta falcons that want a quarterback <sighs> do you pick is it is it time because I always go back to this, the Falcons like to do weird things in the draft, even though we really haven't seen a full body of work from Terry Fontenot yet. And I know he's – last year was like triage, right? It was just this is a terrible roster. I have to find something, see if we can squeeze something out of Matt Ryan and these guys. So let's let's go get some guys and address the – You ha- every position was a position of need. He's done a great job. But I didn't, I didn't think it was a terrible draft. Mm-hmm. And they're all rookies, so we, we don't know how that's going to pan out. But if you pick a quarterback, here are some of the players that you're going to potentially leave on the table. Kyle Hamilton. Lord, I would love him. Yeah. Yeah, I would love him. <laughs> uh, PFF has Trevon Walker from Georgia in the top ten right there. Jamison Williams, Tyler Lindenbaum, Jordan Davis, Devin Lloyd from Utah's up there, Nicobe Dean, Garrett Wilson. I'm no, just saying, Chris you, Olave. You, no Chris Olave? No Chris Olave. Chris Olave is not up there. Uh Oh, oh, Icky from NC State. He is a. Mm -hmm. I would be so happy if they picked him. Go watch the offensive tackle from NC State. That dude plays like Harvey Dahl. Like he's nasty at the offensive line position. He is awesome. Uh, Andrew Booth from Clemson. There are so many awesome guys you leave on the table if you take a quarterback, and that you could. You're going to be picking the second quarterback. A lot of people think Kenny Pickett's going to be the first one off the board to Houston. Mm Hmm. Yeah. So if you're Atlanta, are you? Are, if Matt Corral's there, are you taking him? You know what I would do if I'm Cam, Atlanta. Yeah, look at Cam. Um, actually, I would go just for an impactful player, whether that's, that's Jamison Williams. That's on the board? Yeah, that's on the board. And I would say this only because it's not a huge, deep quarterback draft. It's a lot of quarterbacks, but I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks at need <laughs> – Stetson with the first pick. I don't that's think there's funny, a lot Adam. of quarterbacks. That's, that's not funny, Adam. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of teams at need at the quarterback position. So if you get an impact player with well, that first-round pick, this, and you have is this two. A, but is this, a good, is this a good quarterback class? No, I don't think so. That's why I think your first pick should be an impact player, whether it's a defense or offensive player. I would go personally offense. Okay, well, let me put this out there to you then. If, say, somehow, some way – Derek Stingley's still available, and oh, Lord, Kyle yes. Hamilton's still available, yes. and Jamison Williams still available, or the best offensive lineman okay. on your board is still available, like a Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa. If those All those guys are still on the board, and Matt Corral's there. I would have to go something outside of Matt Corral, and I will only say this. We, remember, we have two second-round picks this year. 
We have the Tennessee pick, and we have our own pick. That's One of those two second-round picks can be a quarterback. I believe Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Matt Corral to a degree, all could fall to that second round. We don't know what's going to happen in pre-draft workouts. We don't know what's going to happen when combine results come back. But what I do know is one of those three quarterbacks will fall into the second round. Falcons have to be smart and just hold weight until one of those three fall to their second round pick, which will be a top 10 pick in the second round. And Tennessee will have a late second round pick. The, the Pro Football Network has the Falcons taking Kyrie Elam, mm-hmm. the corner out of Florida, <sighs> over Derek Stingley. No, no. I'm sorry, no. If Stingley or Kyle Hamilton is on the board, you take them. Unless you get a top five pick and you could get – I don't even know if Kenny Pickett is worth a top, okay. top five pick. You know what I've always said about the Atlanta Falcons is they, they've never – a team the week after playing the Atlanta Falcons or like the Monday after playing the Atlanta Falcons have never woken up and be like, oh, man. I'm hurting, yeah. Oh, that was – that was that was a rough one. No, they usually wake mm-hmm. up pretty spry, pretty fresh, mm-hmm. good to go. That was like, I, yeah, I played yesterday. I played yesterday. It wasn't so bad. It was the Falcons, right? Mm-hmm. They've never woke up sore, just bruised up, right? I would love a Jordan Davis in this situation, or maybe even more so than him. How about DeMarvin Leal from Texas A and M? Yeah, I just like a that. big physical defensive tackle that you put right next to Grady Jarrett. Now you know the kid I would and really that, want. And then a 3-4, then you could go Marlon Davidson to Marvin Lill and then have Grady kicked out as one of like the defensive the ends. ends yeah. yeah. But you know the kid I would really want, but it's Who's a long that? shot. Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, man. Dear, I, I don't would, think there's any way. There's, especially, there's no Especially way. with the two New York teams right now having yeah. two picks in the top There's eight. no way, but if you could get like DeMarvin Lill, Hutchinson, um, a physical linebacker. What about Evan Neal yeah. if he falls? Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. A, a physical tackle. I think the Falcon, what the Falcons need to do with that first and the second first, um, the second, the first second round pick, they need to go and be physical. Go get some physical guys, and then with that, you know, other second round pick, you get a quarterback. I think you groom them behind Matt. Matt Ryan needs to stay another year. Um, I do believe that. I don't think you just bring in a. I don't know if they can afford to let him go. Yeah, they can't. I think he's like 42, 43 mil in like dead money so I don't think you could let him go get a quarterback in the second round let him develop behind Matt Matt still has a little bit left in the tank you get some physical guys an offensive line and another or two defensive players mm-hmm. and you just build I like where we're at right now though we're five and seven and have one of the ro- worst rosters in the league but this Sunday I watched that game and they competed all four quarters it was yeah. just Tampa was way better they have a better roster but they competed that's what I like to see I don't know. It's going, to, it's going to be fascinating to see. And it's kind of going back to what we started with is how many wins do you see for the Falcons as you go? Because you're getting to the point now where you're 5-7. and seven. The NFC South has been so bad outside of the Buccaneers that you're still kind of fighting for second place in the NFC South. I don't know what the playoff picture oh, really looks you're like. you're one game away. Yeah, you're, you not, you're not out of it, but I'm just saying, like, you're looking at your schedule and the way you're playing versus mm-hmm. some of the other teams that are kind of heating up yeah. versus being in it. It's, it's not looking great for the Falcons as of right now. But you never know. You could mess around and get a playoff spot, and then you're picking in the late 20s. I believe eight wins. Hear me out. Eight the Falcons wins are going to win year. three more games. Yeah, yeah, three more games. But I believe eight wins get actually get you into the playoffs this year. But you, if you, you look think, at the You think the Atlanta standings. Falcons are going to win Absolutely. three more games? I said at the beginning of the year, I looked at the schedule, I said eight, eight and nine, they are currently, nine and eight. They are currently 11th in the NFC. Currently 11th, but I want to say if they win a game and then – Beat San Francisco, they're right there at, like, I think the seventh or sixth seed. Washington is only a game ahead of them, and they're the sixth seed at six and six, I think. Or, yeah, or six and seven. 
I think Washington six and six. But I, I predict eight and nine, nine and eight, seven and ten at worst. But we have more wins than we had. Last I think. Year. I think you. Got, if you want to make the playoffs, you better win this week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't win this week, you're not making the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I can agree with that. I think the Lions, you can win that game, and if you can sneak one between the Saints and the 49ers, I think 8-9 and nine can actually get you into the playoffs this year, as crazy as that sounds. I don't think San Francisco, and San Francisco has a tough, tough schedule ahead. Washington could win their division as well. They're a game behind Dallas. It's, it's a weird year. It's a weird year. Right, we're going to find out. Again, the Falcons currently 5-7, and seven, got a tough finish to the season coming up at what point do you start saying are you the nfl fan where you start rooting against your team and saying yeah we need that draft position i'm kind of with bj i believe losing produces losers and so if you're if you're hoping to lose your team's just going to constantly be terrible there's a reason the detroit lions and the new york jets are always picking at the beginning of the draft it's because losing breeds losers so i don't i don't know how i feel about tanking i'm just realistically looking at it and saying this falcons team ain't great I love Cordero Patterson. I love everything he's been able to do. But if he has to be – he is your focal point on offense, it's, it's, it's probably a struggle. Maybe it, it's a good thing if you get one of those higher picks. Go get a Kyle Hamilton or go get a big defensive lineman or an Evan Neal, something like that. Get this Falcons team turned around. And like you said, you got two second-round picks to try to mess around with and do something crazy. Maybe pack a show together, hop back up in the first round. Who knows? Lamar Jackson, Baltimore did we still, it. So. We still got a lot of football left this season. Just thought that would be interesting to look at. We got more to come here on second down. We'll be right back after this. ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshery. Three and out coming up next. BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas going to break down the Mario Cristobal hire. Take a look at some of the hirings as well. Did you, did you get a chance to see the Lincoln Riley introductory press conference slash video at USC? No. It's weird is the best way I can say. I mean, Notre Dame with their introductory press conference very late, beautifully laid out, uh, all the pomp and circumstances there, the very like uh, God country football mm-hmm. of Notre Dame. And then USC had like a bunch of seemingly frat bros like standing on a stage, some cheerleaders kind of randomly put in front, a band that didn't really seem like it wanted to be there, and Lincoln Riley awkwardly walking up on stage. Would that be a sign to see, like... It looked like, like, like from one of those, like, weird, like, what, Hunger Game movies? Like, one of, like, the weird government-controlled channels <laughs> that they put on? That's it's what it looked like. It's, it was rough. Would it be like that his entire tenure there at, at USC? I mean, kind of unorganized and they, just weird. Well, that's the thing you have to realize when we went out there is, like, when you're in Norman, Oklahoma, you are the king if you are the head football coach out there. That is, yeah. that is life. Football is everything. You are another sideshow in LA. Yeah, he's not even, no, he's not even on the top five, top ten, top fifteen. No, list. God, he's, he's yeah. not even in the top one hundred most famous people out there, dude. No. Like, not maybe uh, that would be fascinating. Let's let's go down and see how far we can go to see like where Lincoln Riley stack like just stacks up. Yeah, I mean, he's not more important. important now, Lincoln than, Riley can walk into a Starbucks in LA and like everyone's gonna be like, yeah, oh, okay, whatever. What do you need? They probably won't even know who no, he is. No yeah. idea. No idea. Who do you think is more popular, the L.A. Rams as of right now or the USC Trojans? I would probably go oh, Rams. Oh, the Rams by a long yeah, shot. I would go Rams. You see Jared, I mean, not Jared Goff, Matt Stafford and Eric Donald and the crew, yeah. Yeah, like Sean McVay is getting recognized. Yeah, he's getting recognized. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's getting Lincoln, recognized. Lincoln, maybe that's what he wanted, though. Who knows? And he's got a whole lot of money to keep him entertained. I don't know that he's inherently worried 
not the big show anymore. Gonna go, you got to go out there and earn it in L.A. They, you have to win in L.A. You have to win. I know that person. They does, you can't just, oh, we're competing. Nah, I wanna, you I wanna, have to win. I want to do one of these so we can, like, old takes expose you here because we got a minute left. So you got the Mario Cristobal's, the Brian Kelly's, the Lincoln Riley's. Uh, Brent Venables is now at Oklahoma. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see who Oregon hires. All, all these new head coaches, who do you think has the most successful year one? Uh, I, I got to say it, Lincoln Riley. Really? Yeah. With Jackson Dart out there, and he spells Jackson with an X. I, I really do. I do. I really do think Lincoln Riley because he's just in the Pac-12. All right. Yeah. I was, I was seeing some stuff about Spencer Rattler heading out to UCLA. Oh yeah, I did see that. I now see is that, that is that just like I'm gonna go stick a dagger in his, my old coach's heart? That'd be kind of cool. I would like that. So you do me like this, Chip Kelly. You do me like this. He's with an NFL head coach. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like you do me like this, mm-hmm. Lincoln. I'm following you. You, you yeah. ain't leaving. What's good? Yeah, I'm gonna be riding to LA with you, buddy. What's good? That'd be hilarious. Again, if you miss any portion of our show, check it out on ESPNCoastal.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us. Three and out coming up next. BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas on ESPN Radio.